So all being well, you will have a sheet that looks like it says week two, but it actually says week three on it. Looks a bit like that. Uh, we'll be looking at that. And this evening we're going to be thinking about living in two realms. The natural realm that we see all around us, what we can see, what we can touch, uh, what we can smell, um, and the spiritual realms that perhaps we can't see. Most of you have probably got in your pockets somewhere a mobile phone. It's a bit like that. Uh, and if you sort of pulled it out, you'd see that probably you've got signal. Um, and, but what you can't see are the phone waves that are around the place that are providing uh, that signal. It's also true of the spiritual realms. We're surrounded by the spiritual realms. Now, the point of this evening's talk is to remind us that we live both in a spiritual realm as well as a natural realm. Most of us are wired to focus on the world that we can see around us. And we forget that there's another realm. But I think there's something deep inside of each of us that knows there's more and that longs to be connected with it. Fairy tales of old tap into this. You go through a wardrobe into a hidden world beyond, or you go through onto platform nine and three quarters uh, to the world of Harry Potter. Uh, one of my favorite stories, uh, films that taps into this world, is The Matrix. For those of you who haven't seen it, the premise of the film is based on the fact that there is a world beyond what we can see. And I'm going to show us a clip of this film uh, together for now, for now, hopefully, if this works. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Been a very good film if you'd chosen the blue pill, probably. Um, 
Uh, I don't know if you've not seen the film, I highly recommend it to you. But all of those stories, uh, The Matrix, uh, Lord, um, uh, the Harry Potter, uh, and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobes, all of those stories point to a deep truth that we live in this world of two realms. And we can, this evening, take the red pill or the blue pill. We can completely ignore uh, what most of Scripture tells us if we want to. But our lives won't be as fulfilled as, as because we're wired to live in both of these realms. Jonathan, uh, when he preached on this topic last time, um, read uh, two and a half chapters of the book of Job uh, to you rather than um, showing you the clip from The Matrix. Um, I spared you that joy this evening. Um, but the story of Job, which I've put on here for you to read uh, to help you get to sleep uh, later, um, is a great example of this. There's far more going on then we realize he's aware of all the bad stuff that's going on in his life, but he's totally unaware of what's going on in the spiritual realms. Now, for the purposes of this evening, um, that is what we need to hear about that. There's lots of questions about Job, uh, which we won't go into. But what we need to hear is that there is so much more going on than we realize. So we have two realms. And the New Testament talks about the heavenly realms, or we could call them uh, the spiritual realms. Uh, God created uh, them. God existed before creation. He is the creator. And both the heavenly realms and the natural realms are created by him. The book of Ephesians talks about the heavenly realms quite a lot. I mentioned one in the reading I gave a moment ago from verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 20. He, um, he exerted he, uh, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. But there's another uh, five or six references there that you could look up uh, later and plenty more throughout the New uh, Testament. The Bible's very clear that we live in these two realms at the same time. And in our Western culture, I think we often uh, forget this. There are parts of the world uh, which don't do that. But I think we will never be truly free if we don't pay true attention to this reality. One of my most favorite passages of scripture is this one from 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, it's on your sheet, but I'm going to read it to you. Uh, the king of Aram was angry because all of his plans were being discerned prophetically by Elisha. So he sent an army to capture Elisha, who was living in Dothan. Then he, the king of Aram, sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open, the, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The servant had only been able to see what was going on in the natural realms. God enabled him to see what was happening in the spiritual realms, in the heavenly realms. And his perspective changed uh, completely as a result. And we live in both realms at the same time. Um, I nearly forgot this illustration, so I just managed to get a moment. But it's a little bit like uh, this water and this sponge. The water is the spiritual realms um, and the sponge is the natural world. God made the natural world fully immersed in the spiritual realms. 
it permeates, it goes completely through. There is no part of the natural world that isn't immersed in the spiritual realms. So, who is in the heavenly realms? Got a wet hand now. Now, I'm not going to go through all of these references that you have. If you go on to, I think, page two here, you can look at those later if you want to. God is clearly in the, uh, in the spiritual, in the heavenly realms. Father, Son, and Spirit, from the very beginning, an eternal relationship of love lies at the heart of the spiritual realms. Everything else is created. Angels and archangels are created uh, beings, and they're there to worship God, uh, to bring messages. We have angels that bring specific messages. Think of Gabriel at Christmas. Uh, we have angels that are there to fight against evil. If you've been to Coventry uh, and been to the cathedral there, you'll have seen Archangel uh, Michael um, on the wall uh, stood over uh, Satan. He said, warrior angel Michael. Now, tragically, we read uh, that some of the angels rebelled. Lucifer, uh, we read, was a worshipping angel who wanted to be worshipped and was cast out of heaven with his angels, the demonic forces. And Revelation tells us that there was war in heaven when this happened. So the castellists in heaven of heaven includes all the good angels um, that we see there, um, and, but also all the demonic workers of Satan and the fallen angels. Now, trying to get your head around exactly how this uh, fits is fairly impossible. We don't see the spiritual video, but we are caught up in the realities of a spiritual battle by living both in the natural world, but also in the spiritual world. Now, this list here, angels, they are powerful, intelligent beings who have their own desire. The purpose of angels is good. It's to protect, it's to guide, it's to prepare the way, it's to fight for us and to minister. The evil ones come to steal and to kill and to destroy. That famous verse, uh, John 10.10, 10. the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, when we become aware of what's going on around us, we often fall into one of two errors. C.S. Lewis uh, famously said that we either overestimate the devil and get all excited and perhaps get involved in, in the occult and all sorts of dangerous things, or it has the effect um, that we ignore him. And that can have an effect on us that we might not be aware of it at all. I truly believe that the devil's strongest power is that much of the church believe he is at best irrelevant and at worst non-existent. A lot of people who realize um, that there are two realms have this sense of God wrestling with the devil as if there's some sort of two equal forces going on. Jonathan has a really helpful picture and story I think uh, when he was a teenager somebody had said that and then they said it's impossible for God to wrestle with the devil and Jonathan went well, surely that's not not true is it and, and the speaker went on to say it's a bit like you trying to wrestle with a ladybird God is infinitely bigger there is no sense in the Bible that the evil one is equal to God opposite yes but not equal God is infinite, and the devil and everything else in the cast list is finite. That's not to say that the devil is the size of a ladybird and that we don't need to be concerned with him, but it's just that the difference between God and the devil is infinitely huge. 
So if at any point you get concerned about the evil one, about the works of darkness, remember that God is far, far greater. Now, of course, we ought to be concerned. There ought to be concern. We shouldn't forget about it. I don't want to minimize that. But God is far greater. And this takes us to heading number three there, um, that we do not need to be afraid. Firstly, why? Because the devil is defeated. This great reading from Colossians chapter 2. Let me read this. When you were dead in your sins and in in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, in the Roman world, a public spectacle would be what the Romans did when they conquered another country. Uh, They would take the kings and the leaders of that, and they would make a public embarrassment uh, of them. uh, uh, And what Jesus is saying here, what St. Paul is saying here, is that Jesus has has defeated the devil. The devil is a defeated foe. Now, it's not quite as simple as that, because the devil still has time uh, before his final end. And it's a little bit like the difference between D-Day and V-E Day, or V-J Day, in the Second World War. D-Day was seen uh, by most historians as the sort of historically significant point, uh, the decisive moment at which the war was won. But it was another year or so before the battle ended in V-E Day, or V-J Day. We live in a time between the cross and the resurrection and the time when Christ will come again. The end of the, uh, the, end of the war, if you, if you like. There is still fighting in the spiritual realms. There are still battles. There are still casualties. But the end is not in doubt. Not only is the evil one defeated, but we've also been uh, rescued here again from Colossians. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loved he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We don't belong uh, to the devil's empire anymore. We're part of the God's kingdom. We're absolutely safe in that kingdom. When we baptize people, we give them a candle to symbolize that they are no longer part of the kingdom of darkness, but the kingdom of light. More than that, God has put, as I said earlier, his Holy Spirit in us, says here 1 John 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. It could say far greater, infinitely greater. So if you've ever encountered uh, the problems of evil and they are real and they are horrible, God by his spirit is in us and is far greater. And Jesus gives us his authority. Now, there's a whole talk on authority after half term. You'll have seen it. Uh, But just as a highlight to that, Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 17 to 20. Uh, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We have authority. We don't need to focus on that. We need to focus on the light. I'll be speaking about this on Sunday evening. Um, It's true that if I were to go and press the button now and turn the lights off in here, it would become quite dark. It's dark outside. It would be very dark in here. 
it would be ridiculous for me to stand here then and to shoo the darkness away. We wouldn't stay. Can we all get up and start shooing away the darkness? It would be far more sensible for me to get up and go and turn on the light. We have the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the light that we need to focus on, the light that we need to bring in. And so that brings us uh, to point number four here. We need to ask God what's going on in any given situation. When something's happening, we say, Lord, what is happening here? Is this just happening or is there something else going on? The last time that we uh, ran this course, so just as a clarity, Jonathan and I are still learning about this. The last time we ran this course, Jacob, my little uh, nearly two-year-old, had a terrible day, the day of the course, going into a terrible evening. Normally, the rest of the week, he's absolutely fine. No teething, nothing going on at all. But on the day of the course, it was a Tuesday, for two weeks in a row, maybe three weeks in a row, I think, actually, it was a terrible day, screaming. It meant that I left Jess with him screaming in her arms, uh, feeling really guilty for having left her, and left her to deal with that all the, way, all the time I was here until, we got, until I got home. Um, it was only about the third week in that Jonathan and I, Jonathan knowing this, Jonathan and I talked about it and went, actually, what's really going on here? Is this just happening? Or is there something else going on in the spiritual realms? Well, we prayed. We prayed against the work of the evil one. And we prayed protection over Jess. And it stopped. It didn't happen again. From week four onwards, it didn't happen. It hasn't happened this time as we've been praying. You may think that's a coincidence. Just um, William Temple once said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, they don't. Um, So take that as you will. So we need to ask, Lord, what is going on here? Now, here's an example here from Scripture. Uh, Judas goes to betray uh, Jesus. That's what's happening in the natural realms. He sees the chief priests. uh, They give him money. But behind the scenes, we see Satan entered Judas, one of the twelve. That's what's going on in the spiritual realms. Other examples of that will come up over the page in a moment. But we have to ask these questions. These are some good questions here uh, that we have. They're not mine. I've stolen them. Um, But they're helpful questions uh, for us to ask in situations. Is my bad mood just happening? Is my strained marriage just happening? Now, of course, it could be completely uh, human. It could be something that we've done that's stupid. But there may be something else going on as well. Now, this will, con- this will require a significant change in the way that we view the world. It will take practice and practice and practice. I've just explained, it. I've given you an example from six months ago where Jonathan and I took a few weeks to work out what was going on. It will take practice and practice. But we need to ask God, what is going on? We need to recognize that the events of the spiritual realms impact quite heavily, sometimes, often, on the, what's happening in the natural realms. And just to exp- exemplify this a little bit, I want to tell you a bit of my own uh, testimony. I don't think I've told this outside of Living Free. If you've heard it before, then I'm sorry. Uh, you'll just have to cope. Um, but it's a story of two halves. The first half is largely I and mean, purely uh, for context. Uh, so when I was about 12 or 13, um, I was diagnosed with depression uh, and suffered with that for quite a long time. Um, I saw uh, doctors uh, and they put me on medication. And I was also a Christian at that time, uh, as I am now. Um, that's a bizarre thing to say. I was, sti- I was a Christian then, uh, as I am now. And, and so I found people to pray with me. I actually sought 
out people with particular healing ministry and went to them and said, will you please pray for me for this depression? I want it to be gone. And nothing happened for seven or eight years until I was in my early 20s. Now, if you've had depression or know anyone that's had depression, you'll know that even on medication, you go through um, highs and lows with it. Often the medication helps them nullify those a little bit, reduce those a bit. But I was going through a particularly low period in my very early 20s. And I went to visit some friends who actually, surprisingly, don't live very far from here uh, now. I was living a long way away at the time. And they asked how I was, and I said, I'm not feeling particularly great at the moment. Um, and these friends, I love them, they're Christians. Uh, they are um, Anglo-Catholic Christians, and so they have no real um, experience of working in healing ministries and things like that from their particular background. Uh, and so they just said, oh, that's not really great, I'm sorry about that. Anyway, we had dinner, and just before I left, they said, oh, could we pray for you? And uh, I said, yeah, okay, fair enough. And um, the guy, Neville said, um, Holy Spirit, would you come? Those words, Holy Spirit, would you come? And I can only explain it as a massive backpack being lifted from my back. And in that moment, I was healed of uh, that depression. Now, I say that all of that part of the testimony is completely contextual uh, because actually what was important was that I saw a doctor as well as seeking prayer. We always say that here. If you're ill, go to the well and go to the doctor. It's very important that you hear me say that. I don't, God can still heal a physical illness. That was a physical illness, something that was wrong with me, but God healed. I say that because for 10 years, it's just over 10 years ago that that happened, I haven't had a single depressive moment but one experience. That experience happened about five or six years ago, and it was the very first time I told that testimony in a church. Now, despite the fact I'd done um, this living free a couple of times by then, I didn't pray any protection over myself. I didn't think about the spiritual realms at all. I just shared that testimony as part of a talk that I was giving. It was helpful. What was really interesting is that as I left the church and stepped over the threshold of the church, I was hit massively by, by that weight again, probably five times the weight that it had felt before, hit by that depression. Now, what I could have done, because I've been depressed five, six, seven years earlier, I could have gone, oh, it's come back. Oh, I'll go back to the doctor. But actually, because I'd done this, I knew that in that instance, this was a spiritual attack on me. Because it was so coincidental that it had happened within half an hour of me giving this testimony. It happened as I walked over the threshold of the church. And so I prayed against it, and uh, it went. It was lifted again. It didn't last for very long, fortunately. So why do I tell that story? Because we need to ask the question, what is going on here? Now, of course, as I've said before, it could well be that it's a physical illness and it needs, I need to give that health warning so many times. It could well be that we need the help of God uh, through doctors and nurses. But of course, we should pray and ask God what's happening as well. It's all God's healing. The world of medicine, if anyone's ill, as I say, go to the well, go to the doctors. Now, there's another example of us seeing things in the natural and in the heavenlies on our sheets here. This is uh, Peter's betrayal, Peter's denial of Jesus. You'll know the story uh, well, I expect. I'm not going to read it out particularly. I put it there for you for context. Uh, but this is uh, the story of Peter denying Jesus. Just underneath that, though, earlier in the chapter, we see what's happening in the heavenly realms, the heavenly realm cause of that denial. 
We read, Jesus says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, you may strengthen your brothers. There was something else going on behind the scenes. It wasn't just that Simon Peter was being weak. There was a spiritual element, and Jesus knew that that would happen and knew that Jesus would be restored. Now, Jesus has a 100% success rate in his healing ministry. Everyone that he prayed for uh, was healed. He had a perfect relationship with the Father and could discern whether the illness was caused by what was going on spiritually or was going on physically. And he could discern with the Father the right thing to do. None of us have that perfect relationship with Jesus. But as we grow in our relationship, the more we grow in it, the closer we will get. Now, I could read you loads more stories from Scripture, but I think that's enough to make the point. The Bible is full of the fact that we live in two realms. The wonderful physical world that we see around us that has been spoiled by us. And the spiritual realms where God is where the angels are worshipping. This place is full of angels worshipping. I was praying uh, just before that the evil one will be kept far away from us uh, this evening, and I'm sure he has been. But the forces of evil are real. So the final point on here um, just talks a little bit about the fact that the Western mindset um, is resistant to this biblical view. The Western mindset is very um, scientific, very unspiritual. As I say, there are parts of the world uh, where that's not the case, where they're fully aware of the spiritual realms. They know only too well that the power of Jesus sets them free. But in our world, people ridicule folk who believe in a demonic spiritual world. And yet people get so interested by it and trapped by it. One of the reasons, I think, for the weakness of the church in the West is that we're doing things humanly in the physical realms rather than engaging perhaps in the spiritual realms as much as we should in our prayer and our worship. 